0: So this morning's message, of course, is on goal setting and resolutions because I think that that all of us in here, uh, well, hopefully, I will say that all of us in here uh, should be practicing some form of goal setting and resolution. And hopefully the things that I share with you this today are are spiritual, uh, yet physical, but but you know in work in combination. Uh, with each other, and so goal setting is a key part of the change process in our lives, right? Would everybody agree with that? We have to have the understanding and the uh, awareness in ourselves to understand that you cannot sim- you cannot go through life without change without adapting to change because whether you like it or not. You get older. Correct? Yes. You cannot like that. You say, well, I was the same as when I was when I was 18. That is a lie you're telling yourself inside your own head. Because you ain't the same that you were when you were 18. Now, in here you think you are. Maybe you feel like you're 14. Some depends on you know when you catch me. I'm 15 still in here, right? Um but it happens. Life happens. You end up with more gray hairs. You end up with less hair, (laughs) you know, things like that. And, you know, change is inevitable. So we can pretend like it doesn't exist or pretend like it doesn't affect any of us. And you're only lying to yourself. So what do you do? Embrace it. Right? That's the best thing to do is embrace it, utilize it to the best of your ability, and understand that there are certain things in life that, that, we're, that we encounter and certain elemental facts of, of who we are as human nature. It's not, you're not any different than anybody else. We all suffer the, 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 the results of aging. We all suffer the results of eating too much and exercising too little. Right? What happens there? Well, you gain weight. I'm a prime example of that. And so it allows us the ability to identify undesired behaviors or results and strive to bring about desired behaviors. Well, wait a minute. You know, the first thing that you must understand is that you have to be honest with yourself. Every single one of us in here, every single one of us in here, has undesired behaviors in our lives. We can't get around that. You go, what do you mean? You take this all the way back to the garden. There was a time with mankind where we walked and talked with God. Amen? Amen. The book of Genesis tells us that. It was at that time that we were perfect or that we were close, way closer to perfect than we are now. But we could dwell with God. We could walk with God. God could communicate with us. And then something important happened. Mankind and and woman and man, they took of the forbidden fruit and they ate. They got kicked out of the garden. Right? They were in an imperfect state. They went from a perfect state to an imperfect state. I don't think it was complete yet, but, you know, it would have been. And God said, hey, I can't have this. Kicks him out. You take it back to that very metal thing. What do you mean? Inside of all of us, we know, ingrained into all of us, we know that we are imperfect beings. So from the time we started out, when God created mankind, he created us to dwell with him. Amen to have fellowship with him. We got kicked out of the garden and we've been fighting and scratching to get back there ever since. Well, the importance of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and our commitment to him, right? So you look at that. So what I'm getting at is inside of all of us, we know it, it it is ingrained inside of all of us that we are imperfect beings. None of us deserve the love of God. Would you agree with that? It is only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that qualifies us, that gives us that grace and that mercy to be loved and to be known by God. So we got to understand that about ourselves. I love the, the, the sayings, you know, the, you know, you're perfect the way you are. No, you're not. None of us are. Wake up, smell the coffee. You know, there's certain things we like like to tell ourselves. The scale, don't step on the scale because the scale, you know, it's not a definition of who you are. No, it's not, but it's a definition of how much you weigh. Right? Now, are there a lot of other things that go into that? Yeah, sure. Can you say muscle composition and all these other kind of big bonedness, all these other kind of things? Do they go into that? Yes. But one of the things that I have been for the rest of, for the almost all of my life is I've banked myself on the fact that I'm big-boned. Well, that works for a little bit. Okay? But an indication that it's more than being big-boned is when you bend over to tie your shoes and you're out of breath. That's a problem. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean mom and dad don't love you. That doesn't mean that you're still not a good Christian. That No, that doesn't mean all of that. You know, we take it to the extreme sometimes. What that means is you need to lose weight. Jeremy, it's not good. to, You know, when you come up from the ground, you got five veins sitting out of your forehead. You know what I mean? You go, what? That's kind of mean. No, it ain't mean. It's reality. And we got to be honest with ourselves. A goal can be, a, it can be our compass towards a desired achievement. We've got to be realistic with ourselves, right? Without goals, we wander through life. We set no objections, objectives or directions. So when you have no goals and when you have no you can say, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I, I know that God is the answer. Well, that's good, and you're right. God is the answer. But if we are not deliberate about praying, if we are not deliberate about reading our Bible, and if we do not understand that God has set our life on course for his purpose and for his direction, you are merely a victim of your circumstances and your life. My goal and my idea behind all these things and every year when I preach these things is to get us from the reactive state to the proactive state. You understand that? Too many of us, Christians included, and the world, we allow life to happen to us. And then we become victims of our own circumstances. Well, I guess there was no other option You know, I don't know what the preacher's talking about today because, you know, it's just over my head. Maybe you need to study a little bit because I'm a pretty plain speaking dude. I'm not going to sit up here and give you 18 different, you know, language definitions of a word. I'm a pretty plain speaking guy. Well, I just, you know, I don't know if I can handle that. Maybe you need to pray about it. Maybe you need to start thinking about what do you need to do to improve in your own life? I'm telling you guys today, a life without improvement and a life without goals is a life destined for victimhood. You will become a victim of your circumstances. You'll become a victim of your relationships. You will become a victim of your own mediocrity. Do not allow that to take place in your own life. You have, and hopefully we'll continue to discuss, we have the tools, the abilities, and the skills to be able to do this. It's within all of us. We just need a little bit of direction. We just need a little bit of focus. And you know what? Not just writing them down on paper, but actually putting putting words into action. Doing something about it. The most important goal of a Christian is to identify spiritual goals. Goals that bring about our growth and development in the Lord. What? You have to take ownership of your own growth and your own development in the Lord. If you're waiting for somebody else to do it for you, you're going to be there a while. The responsibility for your growth and your development Make this understood the responsibility for your growth and your development, just as it is mine, is your own responsibility. I cannot read the Bible for you. I cannot pray for you. A pastor cannot come in and fix your marital problems without you wanting to fix them. As humans, we become set, uh, we, we become set in, our, in our minds, so we must be intentional about spiritual goal setting. If we deser- desire to grow, then we will. So we have, to be, we have to be focused enough to say, hey, look, I didn't read enough this year. I didn't, I didn't pray enough, right, or whatever it is. And so you have to understand this. You, you know, some things that I want to cover real quick. Why do we resist setting goals? A couple key things. Fear of failure. Who likes to fail? But I've shared a message with you guys before, probably a couple of them. It's called failing forward. It's a concept out there. We'll cover that another day, another time. Failure is inevitable in all of our lives. Isn't it? No. Yeah, it is. It happens. But you can let your failures define you or you can use them as the fuel and motivation to learn from. Right. God gives us that ability. So and it's the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. Ooh. Well, what if I do this? I don't know what it's going to look like. Hey, man, give it a shot. Feeling unworthy or uncomfortable of success or happiness, perhaps because of negative messages from your childhood or from some suppressed, uh, what I would call, uh, early developmental uh, conditioning. You have to understand that there are some real losers in this world. And sometimes we come from loser families. Don't we? Sometimes we have loser relatives. Losers are the ones that want to drag you down and not push you up. You understand? The loser mentality is is rather than help promote you to get to that next step or wherever you're going to be, they drag you back. Oh, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. Oh, you think you're too good for us. You need to remove people out of your life like that. Distance yourself from people like that. Don't put yourself around people that will drag you down. Put yourself around people that will push you up and prop you up. Now, I wanted to share a couple things with you. It's it's really kind of an easy thing. There are are some definite things for us when we talk about spiritual goal setting, right? Right? Prayer, I know that some of you, hopefully some of you, will have prayer as a, as a goal, right? And study will be as a goal as well, right? And so if you do, there are seven days in a week. Okay? That's a, that's a constant for us. That's the way God created things. There are seven days in a week. There are 52 weekends in a year, 52 Sundays in a year, Right? For some of you, some of your goals may be right, you know, I need to go to church more often. Okay, what you need to do, if you say, I need to go to church more often, is you need to sit down and look at the calendar and evaluate how many days out of the year you went last year. So what I'm saying is, is that you go, well, I only went 10 times last year. Well, don't set yourself up for failure and say, well, I need to to be in church every Sunday. Now, that is the ultimate answer, please. It is. But don't set yourself up for failure. If you only made it to 10 services last year, and and I'm speaking only because of uh, not that it's a job limitation or anything like that or any kind of physical ailment that might have come up. You look at it. In other words, you've only you only went to 10. So you had 42 Sundays out of the year that you weren't in church. Right. So what I would suggest is that you kick it up a notch and go, you know what? I went 10. I need to do 20 next year. You can double it there. But it needs to be small and bite-sized. You say, well, preacher, that's, that's counterintuitive. No, I'm trying to help you be successful. Because what I'll tell you right now is you say, by God, I only went 10 last year. I'm going to go every Sunday. You ain't going to make it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. That's like saying, I haven't worked out in six months. I'm going seven days a week. You ain't going to be able to walk by day three. Newsflash! And day four shows up, and you're like, "I can't go to the gym." You can't go because you set yourself up for failure. And guess what? You spend the next four days nursing your wounds. And then guess what? Week two comes comes by, and you ain't in the gym no more. <laughs> I saw this funny meme. Um, it, it showed a it showed a showed a guy sitting on a wad of cash. I mean, it's just like a bed of cash. He's like this, and it says, gym owners in January. <laughs> <laughs> He's laying there, showing. pretty accurate, you know. So, we're a part of all that. We understand that. Hopefully, you understand that you have to say, well, look, if you, if you haven't been working out seven days a week, you don't just jump into that. That's not how that works. You build up to that. You start at three days, okay? I'll talk to you about intensity and things like that because I think that applies to our our spiritual life as well, but understand that there's fifty two day fifty two Sundays in the year you want to try and attend more okay that's a good that's a good goal by the way, but it needs to be realistic. you need to say I went ten times last year, I need to go twenty times this year okay that's what you need to set it needs to be realistic. You say, well, you know I need to I need to study the Bible every day. Look, that's the right answer. I'm here to tell you, studying the Word of God is the right answer every day. Is it not? Amen. Is it not? But I know you guys. And I don't know how hard it is in my own life. I'm pretty sure y'all don't study your Bibles every day. Am I right? Am I right? Some of you do. Some of you don't. So you go, well, if you, if you study cumulatively, if you look at it, you go, I study twice a week. Okay, you're going to flip the switch and study seven days a week now? You're not going to make it. You're setting yourself up for failure. You set yourself up to a lofty goal that you will ultimately fail at. You get an A for effort, but you get an F for execution. Because you have no staying power. It doesn't become a habit at that point. It doesn't become deliberate. Now, if you meet – so the point is is you look at that and you go, okay, I'm going to – this is what I'm going to do. Here's the goal. I need to study three days a week. You kick it up to three days a week. You pick a specific time in which you're going to do that. Depends on what you're doing, but – you know, it depends on where you're, or who we're speaking about, but you need to make sure that that time you're not sabotaging that time. So like at our household, it'd be like me coming home and say, you know what, doggone it, I'm going to study more. And you know what? I'm the pastor. So guess what? I need absolute silence in the buyer's household <laughs> at 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. probably not a good idea right i have to my study time if that is my desire my goal would be what after the kids go to bed right or this one to make some people cringe before everybody else is awake oh what why would you do that because you could actually do that Asking a house full of kids and, and, and everything else going on to be quiet is unrealistic, isn't it? And then you go, well, no, I come home and I should be able to study and you guys need to be quiet. It ain't their fault. You set up some weird goal that's really not very bright. Or you set it up during a certain time when you know, you know good and well that you ain't going to make it. Don't do that. Don't set yourself up for those kind of things. And so Luke chapter 14. I wanted to cover a scripture here real quick. A couple of them anyways. verse twenty eight it says for which one of you Luke chapter fourteen verse twenty eight for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it, otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with ten thousand men to encounter the one that coming against them with 20,000. The point of it is, you look at that and go, you have to sit down and calculate. Whatever your goal is, whatever it is that we all are going to do, and, and, and again, if you're going to have five goals, I would, I would promote that three of your five goals need to be spiritually centered. And God, Christ-centered, Christ-focused, okay? Prayer is a good one. Study is another good one. Um, Personally, a uh, be, becoming a more dynamic Christian. That we'll we'll get to those things here in a little bit. But you have to sit down and you have to look at your supplies. Has has anybody ever started a project without having a supply list? When I first got my house, or first house we had, now Home Depot was only five minutes away from my house. It was really 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 close. It's still not far from my house. When I was a, you know younger. I was twenty. Twenty one or twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two. When we got the house. After about three or four years, I'm a slow learner. I realized, you know, it's probably not a good thing to know the people at Home Depot by on a first name basis. Because I ended up at Home Depot probably working on a small project four or five times on the same project. You go, well, it's only five minutes away, but do you know what the kind of interruption that creates? And you know, as far as execution and getting something done, how long that takes, right? It 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 really slows things down. And so it wasn't until later that you realize, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we need to sit down and write down a supply list and and execute according to what the known supplies are, right? This is obviously before I was a project manager and things like that. And so... In other words, you had to sit down and look at that, and it's you. We have to also, in our own lives, take a personal inventory of what we have and where we're at. Okay. So that's what I was getting at earlier when I was talking about. Look, you got to look at. There's 52 Sundays in a year. If you didn't, if you haven't been attending, you know, if you only hit 20 of them, you need to you need to kick it up to 30 if that's going to be your goal. But don't say 52 because you ain't going to make it. Right. And if you're not praying and studying every day, and if you're not reading every day, and you say, well, I'm going to do it every day. No, you're not. I mean, you may get a week, but you're going you're gonna to falter off. So what do you need to do? It needs to be two or three days, right? Start there, and then stage it. And then once you successfully hit your two- to three-day mark of study and prayer, right, then you can take another evaluation and go, where can I carve out some more time? Where can I carve out an opportunity to increase that? Right? So you go from two to three days to four days. It's incremental changes over time. And then if your goal is really to be at seven days, which it should be for all of us, by the end of the year, you're possibly at the seven-day-a-week mark. But you were realistic. You took a a good, honest, self-reflective look at yourself and an inventory of the tools and abilities that you had within yourself. The 37th Psalm, in verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, God wants to bless his people. But you got to do it his way, not your way. That's important for us to recognize. It's important for us to understand those things. He says... Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that you get to choose whatever it is that you want. That's not how that works. If you delight yourself in the Lord and his word and his commandments and you position your life after him, he gives you the desires of your heart. Oh, but something happens to us when we do that. When we are truly delighting ourselves in the Lord and putting our lives in him, his desires become our desires, don't they? There's an alignment with God. So having the Bentley or the Ferrari is no longer important to you anymore, right? Now, he may give you those things, but you didn't set out to have those things. Now, I'm not saying that any of us would have those, but it's possible. It says in verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We got a hard time with that one. Waiting patiently on him, that's tough. Why? Because we want it right now, doggone it. Amazon Prime, drive-thrus, on-demand, all of that stuff is, is our nemesis when it comes to God. God says, whoa, you're not ready for it yet. What? I put in my order, right? When do we put in our orders? Prayer, I put in my order. Most of the time, if we put in our order of prayer, he's got a whole set of work that he's got assigned for us to achieve whatever it is that he needs us to achieve, right? It says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It's leading only. It leads only to evildoing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Yet a little while... The wicked man will be no more and you will look carefully for his place and they will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Hmm. Now, that's hard to maintain humility and have prosperity. But God says, if you're humble, you'll have prosperity. Whoa, that flies in the face of our flesh, doesn't it? Our flesh doesn't, doesn't work that way. The wicked, in verse 12, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes uh, at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him for he sees his day coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. It says, "Better is a little, right, little of the righteousness than an abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken. For the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have an abundance. But the wicked will perish. And the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away." Verse 23, it says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. You can go back and read all of uh, chapter 37 there down through, down through verse 40. And <clears throat> there's, there's so many things in here that's given to us. It says in verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. In other words, be patient, be patient on him. It says, I've seen a wicked and violent man spreading himself like a a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, and he could not be found. Temporary, isn't it? Verse 39, says, But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, and he is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Well, the thirty seventh psalm gives us a pretty good understanding of of god 's divine providence in our lives, his hand, his sovereignty, and really the way things work, this life works in other words, be patient on him put your put your mind on those things, be humble you know in all our pursuits and all the things that we 're going to do we need to we need to exercise those things in the fifteenth proverb. It Says, <clears throat> verse twenty-two. It says, "Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed." You know, the Proverbs gives us so many, so many good things to to look at. In the sixteenth proverb, in verse one, in verse one, it says, "The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord." All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Why is that important? We've got to understand that about ourselves, don't we? I'm right! You don't get to choose that. You can think you're right. It is God that says whether or not you're right. That's how this works. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Wait a minute. My goals should be committed to God. My life should be committed to God. All that I do should be committed to God. Absolutely. You put those things in his hands. You say, this is what God wants me to do. But you also need to be flexible enough to go when God says, that's not what I want you to do. Well, that's not fair. Well, we could stomp our feet like a spoiled brat you'll get less that's kind of how that works and you'll be upset and your life will be full of turmoil and distress and pain and heartache and you look back and go oh the reason why it's my own fault God said no I didn't want to listen but if you sit back and commit your works to the Lord and you give that to him he says no if you're committing your works to the Lord, you just move and change direction. You adjust. Okay. Here's where I go. This is what I do. It says Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not go unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Ah. I like this in verse 7. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. And that is only by God's doing that that can be achieved. Better is, is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. When we put our plans together, when we put our goals together, when we put at those things, we could, it, it's, it's okay for all of us. Look, God has inspired all of us to be who we are, right? But when we put these lists down, when we look at these things, we look at it and you've got to run these things by God and say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? I can tell you today the answer is most definitely, if you choose, let me rephrase that, If you choose to not participate in goal setting and those kind of things, you will become a victim of your own circumstance. The things that we are talking about today is giving you the opportunity to be on the offensive rather than the defensive. You take ownership of your life, you take ownership of your position in the Lord, you take ownership of your of your place and your family and your life and your place of employment by taking on ownership and responsibility for who you are as an individual. <clears throat> the 19th proverb. It says, in verse 21 it says, Many plans are in man's heart. But the counsel of the Lord will stand. The third proverb, verses 5 through 6 there, some of my favorite. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, before we dismiss, I got a couple more things here I'll go over. If if you're a note taker, feel free. Setting effective goals, okay? We must be introspective in nature, okay, and self-evaluating. You understand what I mean by introspective? It does you no good (laughs) to write goals out for other people, (laughs) That's not how this works. You don't get better by making other people or setting up goals for other people. That's not how this works. So these goals and everything that we must do must be introspective. We must be looking at our lives and going, I, am, I need help in this area, whatever it is, right? I think that's important. Prioritize the spiritual goals. And that's one of the reasons we read the third proverb right there. Uh, it says put, commit our works to the Lord and your plans will be established, right? So in other words, the, for us and our goals for 2020, they need to be – three out of the five need to be spiritual in nature, okay? I support anybody and everybody that would like to lose a little bit of weight. I think that's a great idea. And I also believe that if it's done effectively, it can, it can have spiritual implications as well. I really do believe. There's something that triggers inside of a man or a woman when you tell your flesh no. There's something there. And telling ourselves no is a really important thing to get good at. Because that might save us a little bit of trouble (laughs) in a lot of ways, right? So effective goals will meld the two worlds with the spiritual and the natural. You say, I want to become a better person in 2020. You cannot truly become a better person without God. Church attendance, Bible studies, reading, those kind of things. There's lots of different things out there that you can achieve. Books that you can read. And I think it's important to write the goals out. Why? Why should you write them out? There's something that happens to all of us, right? When we put them down on paper, isn't it? That's just that first step where you go, this is what I want to do because in 2 weeks from now, once your the soreness of your legs is worn off and you realize I'm not going to make it, you know what I mean, at the gym, right? You're like, this is just not any good. You know, you don't have anything to refer back to. It's easy to forget about that goal that you set 2 weeks ago. You need to go back and look at that goal. For those of you that are wanting to lose weight, as much as it pains me, believe me, you need to step on the scale. And I know it's like that big furry monster in the, in the closet because everybody we like to hide it, right? With the big claws and the big teeth, it's in there just ah waiting to get you, right? You don't want to open the closet door because you know what it's going to say, but you don't know what it's going to say. But then you do, probably sometimes depending on a couple weeks that you've had. But you need to measure against that, right? You need to look at those things. You need to be able to say, look, spiritually, here's your spiritual application. A month has gone by. You chart your days that you've studied, right? Chart the days that you prayed. You look at it. Why would you look at it? Well, did you hit the mark or did you not? Right? There's a lot of apps, by the way, Bible apps and things like that that you can use that really help you achieve that. It, it, you know, as much as I'm sometimes, you know, I, I harp on, uh, on uh, social media and things like that, there are – and electronics, there are a lot of good apps out there that can help you be successful. There really are. Your phones, you can set reminders and those kind of things. There's lots of things that we can do. We have to formulate a step-by-step action plan. In other words, you have to sit down and say this is how I'm going to achieve this. This is what we were talking about earlier, right? And then this is an important one. Anticipate problems and have a plan for overcoming them. When you embark on any kind of change in your life, spiritual or physical, doesn't matter, either one, there are going to be problems. You cannot falter the first time something goes wrong. You, if you are going to try and work out every morning, there are going to be mornings where you wake up late. And you may, and this is one of the things that I've found to be very effective in my life. There are some times when I can't get to the gym, and I, I, normally it's about an hour and a half for me to be at the gym, right? Okay, well, if I can't get in there, you go, I can't get an hour and a half in, so I'm not gonna go. Wrong answer. The right answer is if you got 35 minutes, get your 35 minutes in. Get your 35 minutes in and catch up later. Why? Because today, you didn't get your 35 in, and tomorrow, ah, I already shot the week out, so there's really no point in me going. And you could say the same thing. Well, I didn't wake up early enough to read or pray or whatever it is. Well, tomorrow is a little bit easier to not read or pray as well, isn't it? So I didn't read like I was supposed to. So you've got to measure those things and formulate a step-by-step action plan. Anticipate the problems and, and overcoming that. How are you going to get through those things? And then develop measurement criteria, what well, I was just saying a little bit earlier, right? Look, if you're, gonna, if you're wanting to study more and you're wanting to study three days a week, you need to pick the same three days a week. And you need, need to pick the same time, which doesn't have to be the same time every day. But whatever day works for those days, right, that you've identified are the most realistic and, and attainable. Pick those days. Stick to those times. Prayer. You know, one of the things I could tell you for me is I tailed off at the end of the year my morning prayer time on the way to work. That was one of the things I was thinking about. It's a, it's a great prayer time. See, I listen to Dan Patrick in the morning. It's a funny talk show for sports, right? I think they're hilarious. And it was one of those things that crept back up. I started to shorten my prayer time. And then I started to put Dan Patrick in its place. You go, I can't believe the pastor's telling you. Hey, I'm being honest with you guys. You know? It was, I like, you know why? Prayer... Here's the truth about all of us. Every single one of us. A news flash. Prayer is work, isn't it? Dan Patrick is what? Entertainment. I think I heard someone say that, right? It's entertainment. And there ain't a single one of us in here that doesn't like being entertained. You may have different forms of entertainment, but we all like it. I was feeding my flesh... Or you begin to feed your flesh, and it's almost unnoticeable at first, right? And then it just kind of creeps in and creeps in. Next thing you know, you didn't pray this week. Or not that you didn't pray all week, but you didn't pray in your morning prayer time, or you shut it down way too fast. So, Become a more dynamic Christian. What's that mean? Merely going to church is one-dimensional. no, It's not dynamic. Worst thing we ever did was calculate our Christianity by strict service attendance. It's the worst thing we ever did. Now, do I understand why we do it? Yeah, absolutely. Is it fundamental? Is it a part of the calculation? Is it a part of the consideration? Yes, but it is not the sole consideration. It is not the sole calculation. Being a dynamic Christian means is that when the people that God has placed in your life, you share the gospel with them your way as God presents that opportunity. He opens doors for us all the time. It's just whether or not we walk through them. All the time. Every one of us as a child of God. There is no, no such thing as a chance encounter. There is no such thing as coincidence. God has a purpose for your life. That also means that you can't run around town treating people like jerks. You answer to a higher authority, don't you? There's a higher burden of responsibility for a Christian, for a follower of God. You can't do that. Why? Because being a dynamic Christian won't allow you to do that. You believe and you see that the people that you interact with, everybody, even that jerk, that's a jerk to you sometimes. Whew, what's that mean? I don't know. Maybe God put them there for a reason. <clears throat> Maybe sometimes it's to get a dose of your own medicine. You run around being a jerk to somebody. I can't believe that. They were so rude to me. Uh, it's because you deserve it. Maybe God's knocking on you and he's being compassionate to you and saying, hey, how's it feel? How that feel? You like it? You may want to stop it. Or when you are doing the right thing and you continue to listen to God and he continues to send people your way. Well, why would God do that? Because you've shown yourself approved. He says, you did well with these first two. I got another three I'm going to send you next week. Just do your job when the opportunity presents itself. Just keep doing the work. I got God's got stuff for us to do all the time, every time. I mean, He really does. We have to remember in James chapter 4, this is the scripture that you go, well, wait a second, right? Verse 13. It says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and, and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now I have preached a message where, and, and there is an element of truth to this. I mean, the fact is that Our life is but a vapor, especially when you understand, um, or at least remotely understand, God. He he exists before time. He created time for you and I. So, you know, our life is but a vapor when you compare us to God. We're only here for a short window. We're only given 70, 80 years, you know, the scripture teaches us, right? 80 if you're strong. Small window. Short, short, short lifespan, right? Some of us longer, 90, 100. Depends on who it is. And we don't know what our life's going to be like. So you could say, well, then there's no point in planning. No, that's not it. Actually, what he teaches us there, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. In other words, you put it in God's hands. And we are supposed to live... Like he's coming back at any minute because he could. None of us know. So I hope my hope and prayer for all of you for 2020 is that God would would bless you uh, spiritually, um, that he would bless you in your endeavors, that you all are hopefully looking at yourself, doing some introspective looking into your lives and self-evaluating and looking at those things. And I pray and hope that, that you will commit yourself to the Lord and put your plans in his hands. And then I, I hope and pray that you all will be successful in your endeavors. That's all I got for this morning.